Hey, everybody, and welcome to the HRO Growth Show, where we believe that HROs and PEOs are the best kept secret of small business success, that there's plenty of opportunity for all of them and every reason to grow. I'm Ryan McInerney, and with me, as always, is Brandon Laws. How are you today, Brandon? Hey, Ryan, I am doing great. I'm excited for today's show. I am too. This is a hot topic. What are we talking about today, Brandon? We are talking about disruptors in the industry. Mm, that sounds like a bad word, doesn't it? Sounds like we just said a bad word. <laughs> it's scary. It's so scary. It doesn't have to be scary, though. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, you reflect on the on the last several episodes in this first season, and there seems to be a pretty constant thread throughout the whole thing. How would you define what the thread has been? I, you know, I think that the thread for us uh, with all the content so far has been we're suggesting what to do to really be successful and grow your HRO or PEO. And I think we're going to take a little bit of a turn today, would you say? I would definitely say that's a little bit of a turn. You know, we're, we're talking about up till now, we're addressing the fact that overall, it is not unknown that many HR outsourcing organizations, whether it's PEOs or ASOs or staffing companies or, or payroll companies, that they're really not current. And we're going to talk about you know, today, exactly what that means from, from the industry perspective. We've been addressing how can a, a current provider with a great service, you know, how can they modernize? How can they start to have better reach, better impact, and ultimately to grow their company? But now, today, we're going to be talking about what are the threats against that growth. And so that's definitely a bit of a pivot. You know, I'm curious, you know, the idea of a disruptor is something that isn't new, especially in the PEO space. There's been a handful of them. I'm just curious, Brandon, what are, what's some of the chatter that you've heard about the disruptors? You know, what are, what are the, uh, the sentiments and the, the commentary? Yeah, like I think for the, the people I'm around, we, when we talk about disruptors, we talk about obviously technology. So there, there's a lot of money and capital going into the HR industry and, and, the software technology platforms like Zenefits of the world, Gustos, they're really coming and changing the landscape in terms of HR, human resources, uh, payroll processing, benefits, all that. I think what, what's confusing for a lot of HRO, uh, typical PEOs is that, you know, there's a lot of different components to what we do. And we all feel like there's something that's special that we offer in terms of either service or integration of all those things. And so for, for us, we, we probably look at, this technology is, eh, well, they're not a one size fits all. They can't do exactly what we do, which may be true right now. So I think what we're doing is keeping an eye on the disruptors. I think right now it's, it's so early in the game. And I think they're sort of putting their stake down in terms of what audience they're serving. So I don't think they've totally saturated the audience right now. There's plenty of market share available for everybody. As we talked about in the past, we need to grow the pie. A lot of times our, uh, at least in terms of where I'm coming from, our, our audience and our competition is the HR, the in-person or sorry, the in-house HR person. And it's not necessarily stealing from one of our competitors. So when we see disruptors come in, they're likely targeting a very small niche audience. So right now we're just keeping an eye on it. Yeah, I totally understand that. I, there's some chatter that I've heard as well, especially in the rise and the meteoric rise and then mm-hmm. the, the eventual fall of Zenefits. It was, um, it was interesting because everybody was kind of haunted by them. You know, what, what's going on with these guys? They seem to be just growing so fast. And then 
you know, the good, the good business people that they were, they said, you know, this, this is not sustainable. This thing is going to have some kind of fall. And really, this was just the first failure. Somebody has got to kind of blast through the wall. Somebody has to pioneer into a new market. And Zenefits did that. They opened up the door and what they, what they did was they proved that there was actually a market here that had been underserved. And, uh, you know, they, they obviously burned a lot of bridges and they put a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of people, but not all people. And so uh, some of the chatter that, you know, I've heard has been, you know, these guys, uh, they, they do what they do. They don't do it nearly well. We compete on mm-hmm. service. We compete on, you know, what we call, you know, customer intimacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about customer intimacy in 2019 and going forward, because it is not necessarily the same thing that you listening have meant all these years if you've been in the space for, say, five to 10 years or more. And so that's that's something I, I wonder, Brandon, in these conversations, other than uh, Zenefits, what are some of the other disruptors just so that anybody listening today can kind of have a sense as to what do we mean by an HR disruptor? Who are a few you've heard of? The ones that have always been on my radar, of course, was Zenefits. But as you, you you mentioned, there was a meteoric rise and then fall. So we haven't really been paying attention to them lately. But the like the gustos of the world, I think they're they're offering something very unique from a uh, technology solution. That's it's it's a really good experience for employees and employers, probably managing payroll. And so that's that's one we've really paid attention to. And then. When we when we look further along the HR spectrum of like recruiting, and there's a lot of tools out there that handle components, not necessarily an all-in-one solution like for a PEO or something that can compete directly with a PEO. But what I mean is like some sort of like performance management system or uh, something for compensation. I don't know any names off the top of my head, but I know there's a lot of capital being thrown in these areas to handle very specific functions of the people processes. So we're keeping an eye on all those things. And hopefully it's something we could even plug and play ourselves versus compete directly with firms that are entering the space. So I, I think it's just all changing. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely right. And there, there are so many of them. It was kind of a trick question because there are just so many that are moving in. It's a lot like what we saw in marketing technology over the last 10 years yeah. was that once we figured out that we could scale marketing with fewer highly trained people by using really sophisticated tools and letting the buyer self-serve, self-select, kind of self-identify, uh, marketing automation and marketing technology skyrocketed. And frankly, it hasn't really, it hasn't merged with the future yet, which might be artificial intelligence. Absolutely. So while we're in this gap, another industry is being disrupted and that's the HR, that's the people layer of the company. And so it's very, very interesting that the, the same things that we saw happening in marketing and sales are the exact same things that we're now seeing happening in HR. They're recognizing that HR is really a construct of people that have segments, that have particular identifiers, and that as certain outside external factors change, like compliance requirements and what have mm-hmm. you, you've got a list of people that you have identified match certain criteria that aligns with that compliance change. And we can just literally, not even with a push of a button, but literally we can just pre-program the tool to say everybody and every client that matches this profile or has people that match this profile, send them this pre-created communication using very often a marketing automation tool. Yeah. So there's a convergence that's happening there. You know, I want to get into, Brandon, the, the reality that, you know, disruptors came for a reason. 
Uh, when we think about, especially in the PEO space, there's a reported three to five percent market penetration in the HR outsourcing industry. And so, you know, I think that, like I said, we said at the beginning of the episode, that PEOs and HR is the best kept secret of small business success. That's that's one of the big issues, actually, is that uh, it is a secret. The great value that some of these outsourcing providers like PEOs and, and other HROs can handle. But while sitting below 5% of the market, there were some disruptors who came in. And we see this happen with Amazon. And we see this happen with Uber. We see this happen with several industries where the way a disruptor works this is very important for you listening. You need to understand this is that a disruptor does not target the main section of the pie. They target a niche, an underserved niche, in order to get a foothold and to get some experience and some practice. You have to realize that they have venture capital that typically gives them enough of a glide path or a runway where their focus is not on making money. Their focus isn't even on customer service. Their focus is on validating a model. And all they're trying to do is figure out what is the minimum viable solution that we can create so that we can enter into the market and test the waters and get feedback from clients using whatever we create to tell us where the real needs are. We'll use user requests from actual people who are willing to pay us to design our future installment. It's a great way of getting real-time buyer insights. And so they go after this underserved market. And while that's happening, this is when the chatter starts. We start hearing, wow, they have all these users, but a really low-end product. I mean, they don't do any of the things that we do. They don't do 90% of the things that we do. So really, I mean, are they actually competing with us? And the answer comes back as, well, no, no, they're not really competing with us. And a few things happen. Well, let's take your scenario about all the different HR disrupting companies that are nameless. There are just so many of them. Well, they start getting bought up. One tool has great market penetration, recognizes all the deficiencies in its tool, but doesn't build them. It just goes and buys them. It goes and takes and collects a number of other tools and puts it into a all-in-one solution. And so we have to recognize that just because they don't serve it now, it's actually on purpose and they will eventually. We see this happen. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, Brandon, but there's a few different companies that also came up in similar timelines. You may have heard of uh, Namely. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned Zenefits and Gusto. Well, when they launched, you're right. They were only technology providers. That's all they did. It was just basically a tech stack that you could buy and do much of your HR work DIY. But they knew, just like everybody listening to this episode knows, that you can't get by on just technology alone. What else do you need to have, Brandon? Gosh, you need you need integration, communication tools. You need... I mean, at the end of the day, I always think of you need to save your customers time because mm-hmm. there's such an administrative piece to everything that we do from an HR perspective. And that's what these technology solutions can do is buy us more time and get us working on the high level things focused on building great workplaces versus doing like administrative compliance oriented things all day. It's just, it's inefficient. So whatever they're going to do, they're going to keep adding on things that will help buy back time for their main customer. That's the way I see it. You're right. And you just mentioned something there was really key. You talked about the the people getting to higher level tasks. Well, here's the thing. What they do is they build a technology stack all around the lower level things. Mm-hmm. The things that tend for your higher level people to get bogged down by all day. The lower level things. That keeps them from doing the higher end things. Well, they build a technology that just basically says, well, we can probably get most or much of that done with a tool. Then... 
we will bring in, as Gusto did, as Namely did, we will bring in an HR expert service tier. So you can hire us just in the same way that you might in a traditional PEO, ASO, HRO. So they start off as a technology, use us just for your payroll, use us for your HR management. It's like a, an easy dashboard system, HRM. But then they add on, what well, would you like to have expert resources available on demand whenever you need us, the, the value of a PEO? And they say, yes, well, for only $99 more a month or only $299 more a month, you can have when you need it on demand HR outsourcing experts. And how many of those people do you think are on staff at these companies? Gosh, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You how, probably know better than I would. How many HR managers do you think Gusto staffs and hires? Oh, gosh, it, it beats beats me. And they probably scale with demand. Uh, so if people keep adding on that, that tier, the subscription, they probably don't keep anybody on staff. They just probably use contractors when they need them or something like that. I don't know what their model is exactly. Yeah. Well, just like a good disruptor, Airbnb, do they own any real estate that oh, you go and occupy? No, it's, they, they own the software. That's it. That's right. And it's the same exact thing with LegalZoom. When you want to talk to mm -hmm. LegalZoom, you want to have an attorney represent you. They don't have any attorneys. They may have their own corporate attorney that guards their own interests. But actually, if you want an attorney from LegalZoom, you're just going to be routed to a contractor. And so they are augmenting the gig economy. They are making all available HR managers that are sitting on the bench. They get to call them off the bench, pay them a particular amount, keep the markup. And that, that's how they manage to, say, take their 10,000 users and give them instant access to HR managers, mm -hmm. but they only have to pay them when the person needs them. So rather than having this part of your monthly fee, where you always have all the salaries of your HR managers, these disruptors are only tapping into people who are sitting on the bench and available to speak to someone you know, at a pre-scheduled time. So you have to understand they come in. They provide a technology to serve the minutia stuff that is currently being paid to a premium to an outside provider. Then after they've developed enough of a tool where a person feels capable of doing most of these things themselves for all the things that they don't know how to do, they then create and aggregate an outside field of experts and bolt them on to their profile, their platform, and make them available on demand. So they will eventually merge into the territories of what we call our strategic moat. So like a PEO, they're typically going to go to market as, you know, not the product leader, not as the operational excellent one, but they're going to go to market and say, we, we get in your boat. We, we partner with you. We become one with your brand, one with yep. your company. We're all together an extension of you. And that's a really good thing. There's nothing that can diminish the value uh, that that brings. But the the problem is that uh, if I don't need you for an extended period of time, I'm still paying my share of the fraction of that time. Mm -hmm. And so this model is something that we really do need to pay attention to. I wonder if uh, you've been on any of their websites. I have. And it, what's funny to me, they don't tend to scream like, HR service, like access to people. It's usually about how slick the technology is and how you can save time and money and all that. So I, I think their messaging will probably change as, as you described how they're, they're, they've got a bench of HR people that are, they're going to help out. But yeah, right now it just seems like it's, it's all technology based. 
Well, this would be where we can start learning from them. This would yeah. be where we can start taking some of their playbook and using it on ourselves. So this isn't all a doom and gloom, beat anybody up. This is a saying of you can't underestimate the power of people working together on a project on an industry that's very lucrative. It's been a lot of years where not a lot of people have come in and done anything interesting or dynamic, but now that is coming. And so I've got a few bullet points here for our listeners, Brandon, that I think will prove to be helpful for them as they think through how can I make sure that my offer and what makes us unique, while it may not be that we're some tech stack based out of Silicon Valley, how can I make sure that when one of our prospects is looking at their options, that they see us as a similar but distinct solution mm -hmm. and an alternative worth considering. And so I've got a couple of tips here I want to share with everybody while they're, while they're listening. And I'd love to hear your tips too, Brandon. Yeah. The first one that comes up is sells simple, says simple. Well, stays simple. So this is, if you've been on any HR websites or even on any PEO websites, you know that the value proposition is let's make your life simple. Let's get rid of those headaches. Let's get rid of that burden, you know, uh, with, with HR success with our company. But as you try to read, as you try to investigate, okay, you're going to make my business more simple. Do you see simple screaming at you from the webpage in front of you or the PDF or the documentation that comes back to you? Let me give you an example, Ryan. So I'm on Gus's website. They're, they're, splash page. It's time to tame the chaos of payroll benefits and HR. Get it all done for 45 bucks a month. Like how simple is that? You know exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly right. And that's it with just one simple conversion form that's on there mm -hmm. that you can fill out your information and you are, you're already making progress. And as you tour the site, they're making sure that they live up to their promise. And this is something that every PEO can yeah. do too. Every, every HRO can do is to actually Stop verbal vomiting, to stop crowding the page, realizing that you do have a complex solution, but you don't have to make it complex on your website. You don't need to do the entire education process all on one page, all in paragraph form on your website. In fact, what you need to do is just simply say, if what we're going to be offering people is simplicity in their business by being their partner, then make sure that you are selling simply and make sure that you stay simple through the whole process. How can we make our process as simple as possible, as straightforward as possible, where we clearly lay out the steps, we use the fewest number of words possible, and we make getting in touch with one of our experts who can guide them through the process very, very easy to do. That is the number one. If anybody could do just one thing better, that would be the number one thing to do. Go look at your website and ask yourself, does this say simple, sell simple, and stay simple? And if it doesn't, start asking why doesn't it and where does that need to change? That'd be the first tip that I would give you. What do you think of that tip, Brandon? Oh, I think it's genius. And it actually belongs uh, as the first, first step. Because I think when you're stacking yourselves up against big companies like this, if they're selling simple and they, their tool and platform and service is easy to understand, who do you, who's going to choose the more complicated one? And not me. It's just, it's just like uh, Donald Miller. He always talks about uh, that mm. if you confuse, you lose. And that people don't always choose the right solution. They choose the one that is the clearest. And so uh, that, that's his quote. And he gets all the credit for that. But that is, the, that is the honest truth there. 
If you're confusing and complex, then you will lose to somebody else who may be the wrong fit. You may be right. So you may lose a prospect or an opportunity to a vendor that looks like this, talks like this, and sells some bare bones offering. And you may know in your heart of hearts, this is not going to be adequate for them and they'll be back. But nevertheless, did it have to be this way? Did you have to lose them first to get them later? What if you just focused on being simple now? And then they would say, you know what? It's simple and obvious between the two choices and I'll choose you. That's really the thing that we want to have happen. We don't want to lose them now to get them later. The second tip is that onboarding is simple. We just talked about that with Gusto's website. Same with Namely. The onboarding is very simple. We can actually, from the very first moment we're on the site, be making progress on their mission before they leave the website. Remember that people are on a journey. They're actually, in that moment, while they're on your website, they are looking to make progress. They've got to get some the boss has challenged them and said, listen, we need to get a solution in here. We need to get it in fast. So the person puts it in their very, very tight calendar. They've got very little time and they go and they start looking for a solution. They get to your web page. And what they want to know is that they've been able to do something while they're here. They can go back to their boss and say, listen, I was able to move the ball forward. I got these two steps accomplished mm-hmm. and I'm waiting to hear back. Or I got these, I got ourselves uh, booked for next Tuesday to speak with somebody at one of these three different vendors. You know, I've got back to back meetings with them. They want to be able to report back. If it's the boss themselves, then they know they have limited time. And so they're actually doing it themselves and they want to know that I can check, I can take that black pen and go across my yellow legal pad that I did that thing today with traditional HROs and PEOs. The only way you could cross the line off the list is to get on the phone right now with exactly. a salesperson. Yeah, people are not going to do and that. And even then, you're probably not making a lot of progress because when you start adding in, you know, workers' comp and benefits and and other things, it's just the implementation and onboarding is so complicated. But to your point, if you can start from that very simple educational process and then the onboarding, you're almost checking a couple things off very simply on the onboarding list. It's going to feel like a whole different process. That's exactly right. I mean, if I could come to your website and tell you who I am and tell you what my situation is and get through all of the qualifying stuff that you Mm -hmm. normally ask me on my first call so that when you get on, you come on with me educated, but you, you let me know that by giving you that information, it was actually to my advantage because I was going to, I was going to make progress. I've, I've made an inroad somewhere or I've used a calculator to figure out what I could be saving or I used a tool to, to be able to decide which of these three different HR outsourcing options should I choose? Should I go PEO, ASO, payroll only? How do I know what I should be looking for? Can you help me? And when you're able to do that, which a lot of these opportunities from these disruptors, they do do that, you're able to put yourself into a better position with your prospect and they can leave going, I think I know a bit more about what I want to do and what I'm doing and it can be a much more effective process. The next tip is pricing. Ooh, this is a big one. (laughs) Nobody wants to reveal pricing, right? Well, the the truth is you have to reveal pricing today. This is just a thing you're going to have to get your head around. You're going to need to put out some kind of range. People today, they want to have some sense as to what the cost and commitment is going to be before they go. If you you think about the way most people on listening right now, the way you evaluate a solution is you land on the homepage or the splash page from the ad. Then you browse the main service offering page. Then you click on pricing. We all do the same thing. We get gently, lightly acquainted with something. And then we want to have a sense as to what it costs. And if I can get at least my head around the range or some kind of figure 
if I were to able to self-select in a calculator, I think I'm going to need this and I think I'm going to need that. And that sounds good. And a little bit of this too, please. And I got some kind of approximation about what it might cost me per employee. Obviously, I still need a quote, but it gives me some sense that I know what the pricing uh, will be that I'll be getting into. And there, this is one of the things that obviously just read off from Gusto's website. Many providers can't give an exact number, only 45 bucks a month, but they can give something. Is it 5,000 a month? Is it $100 a month a person? I mean, there's some range and I believe that we can start putting out those ranges. Have you seen anybody doing that in our space yet, Brandon? I have seen a couple PEOs actually that I, we don't compete directly with, but they're, um, you know, California, I think there's another one on the East Coast, but, uh, and I won't say their names, but they have really good pricing pages and they do list pricing. We don't do it as Zenium and it's not a philosophical thing at this point. It's just not enough time to, to tackle that. But I, as a consumer, I see the benefit. I, I want to know the price and I want to know what I'm getting myself into because I don't want to waste my time getting on the phone with the salesperson, walking down the whole process and realize it's way out of my ballpark. And I think um, buyers in the HRO space, PEO space, they're no different. People today know that when you get on with a salesperson, that they have been highly trained, if they're good, to be able to work over your objections, which I don't have a problem with when you have a right fit between a vendor and and a client. Bulldozing over somebody's objections when they're a wrong fit and getting, you know, shoehorning them into the company anyway, uh, that's a bad fit for everybody. That's not good for anybody. So I'm perfectly fine with good sales strategy that overcomes objections. But we want to make sure we have an actual fit between the two parties. And so, yeah, it's it's very critical that we make it possible for somebody to feel like they show up to whatever call they're deciding to get on, that they're educated and that they know what's going to happen in the call. Wow, that's really key. If you said, I do want to talk to somebody and you said, well, here's all the things we'll talk about. Here's an agenda that's already made, three bullets that we cover. And uh, we'll, we'll show you this and ask you that. That lets somebody know exactly what the process is going to be. You're going to get a much higher conversion rate. So we, we move on. The next thing is, is that you can get instant access with the sales team via chat. I do not have to just wait for some time to somebody to get back to me. If I have a question now, this is part of that making progress today. I can talk to an expert or a representative right now on the fly by just clicking on that chat button. We we actually had an episode about this on conversational marketing. Remember that, Brandon? We did. And it seems like right now, this is not far-fetched for a lot of these regular HRO PEOs that we we can get access to, to these chat tools and start doing this immediately. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode, you need to go back and listen to that. It's called something to the effect of conversational marketing. It might've been like even our first official episode, uh, but that is where you want to go back to and listen. If you're unfamiliar with chat or you're unfamiliar with, you know, how would you get something like that started in a way that integrates with sales? Uh, that's definitely the conversation to get into. And the last point that I want to make today is that um, you can see that there is some kind of demonstration. They have a service platform demonstration. You're able to look at uh, what it is that your the tool set looks like. It's not just about a technology. You could have a demo slide deck that features your team. Who, if I were to if I were to get on board with you, what's you know what's the things I could be looking forward to? Oh well, you're going to get all these solutions bundled together. You're going to get this wonderful technology stack that you can be proud of. They may have never even seen an alternative technology stack by the time they're on the demo with you. And then you can say, and one of the things that we offer that nobody else does is we offer this amazing team. Let me introduce you to three. Here's our, here's their profiles. Here's Cindy, Joe, and Bob. And here's what their expertise is. And they're going to be literally joining your team. As your, as your team joins ours, 
our team joins yours and these three people will be available for you to be able to reach in at any point in time and uh, make sure not only just as a responsive, but also proactive, keeping an eye on what's going on in your company and finding ways to help. And I lied. There's actually one more point I want to make here. <laughs> of course there <laughs> is. <laughs> there's always one. I'm, I'm Mr. Verbosity, but leveraging their full stack. This is a key one. One of the things that you can do that disruptors are doing today too is you can make sure that you are playing with a full deck, that you have a full stack of tools. And I would say that these are your minimum viable. And these are the ones that they use as, this is everything. This is their whole, this is their gun with all their bullets. They use paid media and they use paid media to do a bottom of funnel where they're just driving in service. You know, somebody goes to Google and they type in a, a name of a service they want, it drives to their webpage. But they also use paid media to boost their content. And so if uh, they publish a blog, they use paid media to, to target and get in front of, in a high funnel way, top of funnel way, in front of their ideal market to, to build familiarity, build awareness and warm them up. Then when they get them on their website, they recognize that the website is very simple and does a lot of the things that we talked about in today's episode. Then they use sales and marketing automation technology so that their people are, are basically waiting for qualified leads to come through the funnel, get self-nurtured, and when they're ready, well, then sales can jump on it. And who will jump on it? Well, typically a business development rep or a SDR. And these people are much lower on the sales totem pole. Their commission structure is a lot leaner, so you're not paying them nearly as much. And they do the initial qualification and appointment setting and ultimately, that gets turned over to the last piece of this, this stack, and that is the account management team. You'll notice that almost all of these great disruptors have this exact same stack. Guess what? You can have this exact same stack. You've just got to figure out which pieces you need, when you need them, and who you're targeting. Those are all steps of ML5. But these are, these are the pieces. These are available to you. You do not need to have your name on a stadium. You do not have to have venture capital funding. You can buy these things. You can do these things right now off the shelf. If you're just simply willing to disrupt yourself rather than letting other people do it to you. So that, that's my little bit of preaching there on all of that there, Brandon. That's a great, that's a great list. I think a lot of PEOs, HROs are probably thinking like, well, how do I make this change? And I think you have some ideas for them to start making change. You know what? You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> You, it's like we're finishing each other's sentences, Brandon. I mean, it's, it's like we've got a whole new level on this podcast. That's right. I think that the big problem is we need to get proximity to other people. Listen, this episode's great. Listening to this show is wonderful. But you actually need to really do this crazy life with other people. You need to be in the same place at the same time where these kind of conversations are happening and where people can share, hey, this is what I did. This is how it's working and give you feedback on the things that you want to try and the place that I would recommend that you consider doing that, there's many places to do it throughout the year, but the one that's on my mind that's coming up soon is coming to you from the PACE Association. PACE has their annual conference. It's going to be April 28th to May 1st. The whole concept is blue skies ahead. Those who are not being disrupted but are doing the disrupting, look at blue ocean and blue skies. And that is the subject matter for all the speakers that are coming, including myself, I'm excited to be there. And that's that's a fantastic place for you to come. It's not a pitch fest where people are going to be, you know, coming up to the stage and telling you all about why you need to hire them. These people are the best in their industry. Uh, hiring them is easy to do if that's what you want, but they're going to come and bring their very best content insights and real-time experience. This is what they're doing now. 
this is what they might recommend that you do if you're trying to get into the same space. But I, I think that would be a really smart move for any of you listening, thinking, how am I going to make sure that my company's not disrupted? Well, then you need to take the step and come to where all the people who are looking to make this kind of change, where they go, where that, where that takes place, where that's part of the conversation and vernacular. So that's my recommendation, Brandon. Well said. So Brandon, I want to ask you this question. So what have you done or seen other HROs do to adapt? What are some of the things that have come across your eyes? And what are some of the things that you've tried to do yourself? Because I mean, you're, you're in the driver's seat. You're part of the listening audience uh, in terms of the demographic. So what have you tried? Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind, actually. So from my vantage point, I'm, I'm looking at some of these disruptors and I'm, I'm looking up to them as in terms of their, I'm jealous in a way of their marketing resources. They simplify messaging. The, as we talked about, the onboarding process is very simple. Like that first step, fill out a quick form and it's only 45 bucks. Like that is a very, very nice first step. And I'm taking a page from a lot of, a lot of what they're doing to simplify the messaging, not only on the website, but in all channels that we're, that we're trying to reach our audience. So first and foremost, that's, that's really what I'm, I'm seeing there is simplifying messaging. We talked about pricing pages too. The other thing is differentiating. So because these disruptors, they have lots of resources, a lot of capital. You've got to figure out as an HRO, what makes you different? And if you, if you aren't clear about what you're offering, that's so vastly different than some of these disruptors, then you're going to have a hard time reaching your audience and speaking to them and their pain points. So that's something that I've, I've seen. I see a lot of HROs really trying to f- figure that out as well. And then lastly, the other thing that, that comes to mind is there's only so many options out there for HROs to to develop their own integrated, you know, payroll software. There's there's several companies out there that that's just the option, right? Like there's a handful that you can choose from for processing payroll and benefits unless you're going to go out and build your own technology. So I'd say that that's something you can learn is if there are for one, if there's an opportunity to build your own technology, you have the means to do so. Maybe that's an option. Otherwise, what are some third-party tools from an HR perspective that you can sort of plug in to make yourself different? So you wrap around those pieces into the to the service you already have. And I think that's how we can start adapting and, and competing directly with some of these big disruptors. I definitely think those are are really wonderful. Uh, What I'm hearing and you saying all that is that there's no reason to try to be somebody else. Correct. The thing that you need to do is learn what you can from the way buyers are behaving, Mm -hmm. learn what their always evolving preferences are, and then do what you can in your own unique way to reach the market who you most want to do business with that likes the way you do business. And uh, that it's a matchmaking process. You don't, if they wanted Gusto and they learned about Gusto, they would have been working with them already. If they didn't choose them, it was for a reason. Are you something that they might like better? There's more than enough opportunity out there. We just have to be sensitive to this one thing. If we're not shaping the expectation in the mind of the customer, then something or someone else is doing it for us. So I would say that we don't have to be the disruptors. But we do need to make sure that we're visible wherever they're visible to the extent that was within our power and control. 
we should at least be visible, right, Brandon? Yeah. So that when we are differentiated, they actually found us to realize there's a different option. Mm-hmm. If we're not even on the menu of options, then we in the marketing or sales, uh, then we're failing our company. And that's something that we have to tackle. We have to fight for resources for, and we have to prove value on the resources that we're given. I mean, it all comes back to like, who's your ideal client? Right. And if you, if you're tacking on services, you're tacking on technology and you're, and you're correctly using messaging to reach that ideal client, then I think it's going to be a lot easier to get that matchmaking intact. Otherwise, if you're just, if you're looking at your competitors and these disruptors as like, oh, we're just going to follow the lead and you're forgetting who your ideal client is, you might as well throw everything out the window. I mean, you, you really got to stay true to who your audience is. That's 100% right, Brandon. That's 100% right. And Brandon, all excellent points. And I really do appreciate you always being so candid and forthcoming with some of your own uh, experience, things like that. So I, I really think that probably gives our listening audience plenty to think about here today as to far as to realize that disruptors are here. Disruptors are organizations that we can learn from and that we need to be true to ourselves. And so I think that really does a good job of uh, hammering the nail on the head. Yep, I agree. We have a lot of of good stuff coming up. What's up next week? Uh, Well, next week, we're going to get into that promised webinar podcast. If you're listening on the last episode, you heard me talk about this level 10 webinar. This is not a process that you are currently doing with your webinars. Most people realize that webinars are keen and important, but there is so much more value you can get out of them. And while there's a lot of training around it that we do at Blue Matter, I'm going to give you the high points of it so that you can recognize and qualify your current webinar system your webinar process and decide if there's a better way for you to do it. So that's what's coming up on our next episode. And I'm also really excited to let you guys know that we're also going to be interviewing Brad Adams from Sales Gravy. And since it's the top of the year and he's one of the speakers at the Pace event, I thought it would be super important to bring him in and have him on one of our upcoming episodes. So he's agreed to do that. So he's going to be coming in and we're going to be interviewing him soon. You're going to love that episode as well. Excellent. That was uh, This is a great show. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up. And if you want to support the show, you've got to go subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube. Please give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Let Ryan know how awesome he is as a co-host. You can let me know how I'm doing as well. We're having a lot of fun doing this and we want to hear from you guys. So uh, follow us on LinkedIn at the HRO Grow Show and we can't wait to start the conversation with you. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll see you next time.